Welcome to Zero Knowledge, a podcast where we explore the latest in blockchain technology and the decentralized web. The show is hosted by me, Anna. And me, Frederick. Today, I sit down with John Choi from the Ethereum Foundation to talk about foundation grants, how to build a business model around core infrastructure, and what the blockchain ecosystem needs. Welcome to the show. Cool. Thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Like what's your, you work for the Ethereum Foundation. What's your role in the foundation? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm officially a researcher in the foundation. So I started working on uh, Casper Crypto Economics. Um, but recently I've been uh, helping out with the um, grants, the scalability grants as well. So I help... Um, around with uh, general things that need to be done in the foundation. Uh, so I wear many hats right now. <laughs> what what led you into Ethereum in the first place? Yeah, so um, for me, I, I got into crypto pretty recently. Uh, you know, l- last summer uh, it was when I first got into it. But I got, in, I got into like P2P technologies uh, around uh, IPFS, actually. I was really fascinated by... Um, what kind of applications would be possible if we had decentralized infrastructure. Um, And especially with uh, a lot of technologies and applications being centered around data aggregating as central central sources, I thought this was a really um, exciting technology to think about. Um, And in the process, uh, I got connected with the research team um, that Vitalik leads, and I happen to have a background um, having worked in distributed systems, but also have a background in economics. So that was a cool way for me to get looped into the research track at Ethereum and, um, you know, found like a really good culture fit there. So have been enjoying spending time there. Cool. I, I, ironically, I don't see a lot of people with a background in economics in right. like crypto <laughs> economics and then crypto in general. Right. Um, have a friend who's uh, has economics background and uh, usually talk quite a lot about what currency is and what money is and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff and it's doesn't really agree with economic theory like in the academic sense of like what what cryptocurrency people are saying mm-hmm. uh, which is an interesting thing but um, yeah I mean my own kind of path and I, I've said this before but I got really excited not by uh, the currency aspects necessarily but by the decentralized application aspect mm-hmm. so like uh, i i knew of bitcoin but when i saw ethereum i was like oh this is actually really cool because the currency is a means to pay for computation in a decentralized fashion and the like i i just immediately saw so many more doors open from that so so that was sort of what got me interested in this yeah and and sort of on that like note and what we are here like doing now is um trying to build that vision trying to get to the vision of decentralized applications part of it is scaling like that's an absolute necessity and what we don't really have on ethereum today so can you tell me a little bit about what these like scalability grants are and, and who they're going to and what the purpose is? Yeah, no, definitely. 
Um, so the Ethereum scalability grants, and now you know it's actually more generally known as Ethereum Foundation grants, um, is really nodding to the fact that there seems to be a tragedy of the commons problem in the Ethereum ecosystem and more generally in the crypto ecosystem where there's a lot of capital flowing in and the capitals being perhaps, I mean, uh, heavily uh, heavily allocated, maybe even over-allocated into certain projects that perhaps won't be able to put all of that into work, right? Um, but because, there, because they depend on the underlying infrastructure that is not yet finished. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and we're really looking to help people, individuals, hackers, companies, uh, small teams that are popping up to be able to have the breathing room to really explore uh, building infrastructure, right? So what that means, might uh, it might be around scalability, around sharding, plasma, uh, so, you know, on-chain and off-chain um, scaling solutions. Um, but we've since extended that because it's not really just scalability that's important to Ethereum today. It's... Um, scalability, usability, and security, right? So that also includes tooling around um, developer experience. So what is going to be the framework that allows for uh, faster iteration uh, for DAP developers? Also, we need better security guarantees around, you know, what happens if, if you mess up because there, there are going to be errors, right? So being able to guide those discussions um, by having it's a lot of different things like we funded runtime verification for example to do uh, a formal ver- verification of the casper contract and that's something that's really rooted at the protocol layer but we also want to work with um, independent developers that are making frameworks like solium which is like a static analyzer for for solidity so we really want to be the tailwind for this like Cambrian explosion that's happening um, around the Ethereum ecosystem with developers. Um, I think that you know it would be quite honest to say that you know while Ethereum is very exciting, it also has a lot of challenges today around scalability and, and a big promise that we have to deliver on. Um, but what we're really excited about is the fact that when I look around in the crypto ecosystem. Uh, I see the most number of developers looking towards Ethereum as a place they want to develop, right? And it's it's really the foundation's job to continue to maintain that, to um, really uh, kind of grow that community of developers to be really you know taken care of. And the the scalability grants is is a way to do that, like a no strings attached way, no you know right of first refusal, um, no dilutive equity or anything like that. Not, not, not that there's anything wrong with it, but this is really um, resources to work on whatever you think would help everybody in Ethereum without having to worry about a business model for now. So how do people like get this grant? What's the process to apply and like get into this program? Yeah, so there was a, a blog post that went out recently, and it's really simple. You just have to um, fill out a Google form um, and describe what you're working on, and in your own words, just describe why you think this is a big problem. Um, oftentimes, people that apply are people that wanted to, you know, are building things on the Ethereum ecosystem and are excited and are aligned with us on Ethos, but found that, hey, like, I have a very particular problem that a lot of my friends have, and I found it valuable enough to build it myself. Um, can we get funding for that? And it's, it's really as simple as that. Um, and some of the, the applicants that did 
you know, that, that were most convincing were people that already, they don't wait for us to give them permission. They just started building it, right? Like they were going to do it anyways. And oftentimes, uh, the amount of comfort level that we have with funding, it comes with the fact that, you know, a lot of the teams that were funded are no strangers to the ecosystem at all. And it's, it's not to say that if you're new to the ecosystem, you couldn't apply. It's definitely welcome, right? But uh, the point I'm trying to make is that these there are a lot of groups that have been building towards this, these commons, right? The common infrastructure with no kind of monetary benefit for months, if not years. And I think we want to not only reward that, but um, incentivize that for the future because I think the ecosystem should really be around a lot of different companies, teams, hackers working towards their individual goals, but along the way, uh, solving shared problems and making this like the best ecosystem to develop on. Yeah, and I think these funds are a great, like actually massive starts to this process and it, it helps incredibly but it's it's not like the perfect long-term solution right it's it's not really sustainable to keep giving away money mm-hmm. <laughs> um so the question is like can we move to a model where people actually are incentivized to build infrastructure somehow and and i mean this is a this is obviously not a question we'll answer right here but mm-hmm. um it's a really tough problem of like you're writing open source software there's no money to be made really um and it's like you're saying it's common good and there may be some like f- just speaking like from parity's point of view for instance we're not profitable we don't make money from the software we write really mm-hmm. um there may be some business model in the future where we can work with enterprises or do consulting projects with this software and or like anyone actually could uh, but because we're experts at it, it's maybe you know there's some some money to be made there but it's not really something we're actively pursuing right now um and it's not really something that we want to to do like it, that's not why we got into this right like we got into it because we love ethereum and we love building blockchain stuff and we want to build decentralized applications not necessarily because we want to be enterprise consultants mm-hmm. um so how do you then like how like do you have you heard any proposals or do you see a vision for how we can get to a world where projects you know open source projects can get funding somehow Yeah, so I think that's a really good question, and there's a lot of parts to it. So we might have to take it in in um, in sections. But um, you're definitely right. Grants are not a um, sustainable business model, and to have a team that can really work on problems for a long time together, you need to figure out how you're going to sustain yourself with a business model. And it's really funny how I got into this, right? Because what I was really thinking about was, hey, how does the economic incentive between different nodes in a Casper, you know, protocol network really interact. But uh, we kind of realized that, you know, while that's important, what we really need to focus on right now, uh, especially for me with my time, is we need to enable all the people in the ecosystem to be incentivized to build the right things in general beyond just our, you know, base layer protocol. Um, And as we were thinking about that, we were thinking about, if if I were a very smart developer or a entrepreneur and I want to work on something in the Ethereum ecosystem, how would I uh, go about making that decision? And how can we make that a incentive neutral decision between building common infrastructure versus you know making a specialized application, specialized um, you know paid infrastructure 
that can capture a lot more, you know, financial value today. And, you know, to, before we talk about the business model piece, I think we have to think about like, how do we even have a sustainable grants process? And I think in the, in the short term, it's pretty simple. Like there's, I think the, the space is really blessed with ample capital that is looking for talent. Um, so I think we're starting to see a lot more um, entrepreneurs and developers working on projects, you know, not necessarily even with like token sale or ICO and either getting grants or, you know, unpriced equity rounds where they just, you know, take the time to figure out what they want to do before they have to commit to a token mechanics. I, I think that some teams, you know, took a long, a long time to kind of like figure out the right model for them that works for tokens. But in other cases, I know, you know, friends that are struggling with, hey, I want to build a, build a business, but maybe this token thing actually is at odds with uh, some of the stakeholders within this complex system. And um, I think it's a solvable problem, but all else equal, it's better to probably have more time to figure out what you want and, and re retain that optionality, right? So in the beginning, I think it might be uh, teams going towards like smaller rounds of funding and um, pretty much buying time to like identify and start solving problems. And then it goes to the more difficult part of the conversation, which is, well, if you're building, for example, um, just like a tool set, for building on solidity or if you want to um build a you know lightning network on ethereum and maybe you don't you don't your solution doesn't need a token or something like that how do you hire the best developers that are charging you know top market salary and 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 go about doing that can we have a token sale without tokens <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um and you're right, like the entrepreneurs that are in the space have a huge game theory uh, situation where if they really want to kind of build the best company possible, um, it's totally understandable that you would want to accrue as much like financial capital as possible um, to to ride out whatever market conditions are, are ahead of us. But, but to go back to the point, I think there are ways to think about how can we start adding value in terms of building products. So like, let's say if you're building software tools, like how can you create that to be, you know, generalizable across the entire ecosystem? Um, what are adjacent markets from the product that you're providing to, you know, in this example, developers? Uh, if you're building a DAP, then, you know, end users. So even before we think about business models, I think one thing that we can do better as a space is identify like why we're working on this technology to begin with because when i hear things like hey we should work on like decentralized uber like well that's interesting i think the that's not the point of like what what, what we're working on with blockchains because we have to we have to look we have to remember the fact that blockchains are you know just like really dumb databases and the reason why we're going through all this pain to make you know dumb databases is because it has this amazing quality around trustlessness and if we as an ecosystem can identify what are the use cases where this feature of trustlessness can be the most valuable thing, then we can actually help guide developers and entrepreneurs to work on the projects where um, the business models will be more more natural, right? Um, so, so maybe that's more on the DAP side. But to go back to the infra infrastructure side, uh, I think it's going to come from a form of um, a lot of projects within the ecosystem coming together to fund those, you know, commons, right? So if Ethereum Foundation and, you know, Web3 or any other company um, 
not not even just in the Ethereum ecosystem, right? Just the overall crypto ecosystem. Uh, for example, like we speak, um, uh, we're going to be involved with another major smart contract platform that could be viewed as our competitor, but we're going to be funding a uh, blockchain research lab together, right? Uh, without any any qualms. So I think that that kind of funding mechanism that identifies important problems and puts really significant funding towards it, I think gives these teams a lot of time to figure it out. Yeah. I think that's an interesting aspect as well, where I've never believed in the sort of one chain to rule them all argument that there's only one thing that can succeed. Mm -hmm. Um, And in fact, I believe it's quite the opposite that um, there needs to exist many different things and we should try to get together and learn as much as possible from each other, um, even from different chains and, and whatever. But uh, yeah, no. there, there's a lot of um, kind of thought and um, some chains are actually putting it into like the, the core of their consensus algorithm that um, a part of every... Uh, coin minted in a new block goes back to some foundation mm-hmm. and then they'll use that to like distribute money and and pay for infrastructure development what do you think of that idea i think that makes sense um just speaking in a very broad term right i think um a problem that i think a lot about is the issue of like economic like wealth distribution in a token ecosystem so even before we think about that exact mechanic uh, a mechanism, uh, you can start thinking about like if you look at any given token ecosystem and you look at the supply and you do a count of you know how many people in the ecosystem are actual developers, uh, and then add um, the non-developers that are doing productive work for the ecosystem, and then you look at you know kind of the passive holders. Um, that don't necessarily do anything to kind of push the network forward. I think like if it would be really interesting to look at, you know, coin market cap and look at that metric of like percentage of holders by value that add value to the system. Right. And the reason why I bring that up is I think an interesting inflation model that is not explored yet is how do you one increase that number as high as possible so that a lot of the holders are actually um, adding value to the network, not just only as developers, but like there's a lot of needs like technical writing, uh, marketing, um, getting customers, right? Um, and num- Or just even actually using the platform. <laughs> or, or using the platform, yes, lower the bar a little bit, right? Uh, so one is like, what is the current state of that? And number two is like, how can the governance or the mechanism of the network actually encourage uh, increasing that number over time or at least maintaining it, right? Um, so regardless of how that token is you know, created and inflated in the network that you're talking about, I think the fact that incremental supply goes towards more development in a network is really directionally cor- correct in terms of building a, a model that is going to be successful. There's obviously a problem with that inflation model because it's sort of forced funding uh, into projects. And, and like, what if I don't actually want to give my like in some sense through inflationary economics, my money, mm-hmm. uh, air quotes to, uh, to developers, um, and do it on a voluntary basis. You could set up a DAO that, you know, s- 
is controlled by either the foundation or a group of people or is not controlled by anyone and the distribution is controlled entirely by coin vote or something else right um do you think that model could work like are there enough people in the world that are willing to like donate money to infrastructure development do you think yeah so um and i think throughout this podcast i'll probably like um you know put on my ef hat and then put put it off sometimes yeah. to share my personal opinions um but you know first speaking on behalf of ethereum like we actually do have a lot of different ecosystem members that one are large holders or two have been you know around since the early days as a as a core developer that would be happy to put more of their kind of holdings towards development right because i think um people that have been in the ecosystem for a while and this i think is true for not just ethereum but any ecosystem know that um you know as the pie gets bigger that's more value more so than you know not giving away your nominal network value uh so i think i think there is appetite for it i can't you know i haven't done a full survey but it there it definitely exists and i think more broadly speaking like beyond beyond my role at the ef like my personal view is that um we think a lot about uh in the crypto space we talk a lot about scalability um but in my view scalability is going to be solved um maybe not in the in the time scale that the media needs it to be um <laughs> perhaps i'm not sure but i think the one thing that is really unclear that is going to be solved is a winning governance model around having um you know consensus around like hey what percentage of like incremental supply or do we even have incre- incremental supply and how do we allocate it to people that are going to be you know solving big problems for us and a lot of people uh, have been talking about this before me um uh but we still haven't figured that out because of the exact thing that you're mentioning it's really hard to quantify in a relative basis the value of like different tasks that need to be done like how do you yeah. actually price the the you know the value of like phase one sharding versus like you know a hybrid casper right or versus like doing technical documentation for solidity uh i think and even I, then like vetting teams and people to work on these things is actually incredibly hard yeah like actually like should i fund this team to build casper or that team or both or like that that's certainly not a trivial thing to to figure out right yeah no it's definitely very difficult and and i think that's why uh you know thanks for kind of asking this question and and kind of sharing our opinion about this right and i think um it's only been a few months since we like really launched this grants program but part part of the reason that we did the grants program is to fund these projects and make sure that you know scalability usability and security are being focused on in the commons but the other thing is it's really part of the job of the foundation to create clear communication and uh, the words that the ecosystem members can kind of really rally around um, because we're a decentralized ecosystem and we don't you know see each other day to day like these ideas and uh, you know easy to share kind of words around priorities are hugely impactful so that you know for, for example like right now we're in Taipei for a sharding retreat and we're all go- going to go back to our respective companies and, and cities and have a sense of alignment around what's important and this grant blog post was the same thing it was like a message to the ecosystem that one we're here to serve everyone and number two this is the way in which we'd like to serve and 
Uh, and what's amazing about this about this community is that uh, it's a very, I think, selfless community. I see a lot of people starting companies in the Ethereum ecosystem and saying, like, how can we help? Or I know another company, uh, like, uh, you know, Truebit, for example, like they're working on a pretty audacious technical challenge around off-chain computation, and yet they make time on the weekends to to uh, to lead like a bounties uh, project and ETH Prize uh, along with like Web three. Um, so yeah, like when I see companies like that, I think that's what gets the foundation excited to kind of like wake up and serve and and you know rally the the ecosystem around those those things around scalability. Uh, usability and security moving away a little bit from the very core layer of core infrastructure there's a sort of middle layer thing that i still classify certainly as infrastructure because it's you know you can't really tokenize it and you can't really have a sustainable business model around it in a traditional sense which is like ecosystem tooling um you know, Solidity um, as like a language uh, still needs a lot of de- development um, or, you know, there there's a lot of uh, people I'm in touch with a team that's working on a version of this formally verified language called DeepSea uh, made by Yale um, that sort of uh, kind of looks a bit like C and it gets formally verified all the way down to EVM. Uh, but then like that's a very different developer experience so you probably need some tooling around that then to like help people write and train them in like formal verification how you write a spec or like there's a lot of stuff that needs to be built there and like what do you see in that space that's really important and like what what's your what are your eyes on in that in that sphere yeah uh no that's a great question so what I see in that sphere is kind of around like what can we improve that we already have and what are things that we don't have that I wish we had. Um, so we're funding projects around um, improving solidity. Uh, we'd also like more developers working on Viper. Um, Viper is another smart contract language that is quite frankly like one of Vitalik's pet projects because it it's a new uh, smart contract language that is really focused on security. For those that haven't seen it, it's it's basically uh, a flavor of Python. Yes, yeah. um, that compiles to EVM. Right. Um, yes, Python syntax is very um, easy to pick up. Yeah, I mean the needs are so broad, right? Like, f- so first of all, like we have people working on you know the alpha release of Viper. So like we have uh, programmers working on that. We also actually one of the biggest needs is around documentation because we're in a decentralized ecosystem. Most of the knowledge transfer happens online, and um, it's really a scarce resource to be able to be one technical to have like excellent excellent written communication. And then three, be available. <laughs> and if you know if you're listening to this podcast and you know somebody, and if you are that per- person, you should definitely reach out to us because one, we'd be very grateful, and two, we'd be happy to fund that project as a you know as an independent contractor, or you know we're hiring as well. So that that's that's one thing that's super obvious. The next thing is you know really things that we don't have that we we wish we had, and I think what's interesting is that. When you look at product developers, like people that made, you know, iOS apps and web apps in the past, like 10, 20 years, uh, they're really kind of experimental, really creative. And we definitely need that in the Ethereum ecosystem. But what's different is that, uh, you know, around 
around DAP development is one, the upgrade path is really difficult when you when you launch something, so you can't iterate as fast. And number two, like your code is actually carrying like real world value um, to the extent that like you know you can take this you know currency and sell it at, at, at an exchange for you know f- fiat, right? So that means that although we need a lot of developers that have this product mentality and want to iterate and making like amazing experiences, we also need people that um, have handled like high value, like financial systems, um, or people that have built like, um, products or infrastructure with like high reliability SLAs, right. People that have built like large storage systems, databases, et cetera. Um, and we'd love to have more people like that working on, um, across the stack to make the entire development process more secure. Right. So how can you create a safe framework around, um, you know, checks to not lose your user's money. Yeah. I think that's getting that sort of base framework in place is super important. And I think something people really overlook in this space is that there is no such thing. I mean, in, in a previous podcast, I think number 16, where we talked to trail of bits, um, we're sort of talking about these tools and, and everything that exists now, but still saying like the road is largely unpaved we don't really have you know best practices and and common uh, standards that we should all adhere to Um, and they sort of still need to be developed quite a lot Uh, we were talking uh, before uh, about like how i i my career started in php and then at, at some point i moved to rails when that sort of started getting popular mm-hmm. and back then rails really was like a force multiplier for um especially people starting new projects because not necessarily that you know it had scaffolding or you know it, that ruby was a particularly good language but it had this common set of best practices that were very well established and the the whole mentality was sort of stick to this convention and you'll do fine and um you know you, you got csrf protection and in secure cookies and everything else kind of out of the box and you didn't have to think about that anymore and um removing all of these trivial things that is not business logic um should you know be a goal of some sort of framework at some level um and i i have no vision myself of how that is going to look i just know we're very far away from having it and i wish we had it right right no i i definitely agree um you know i think if you want to learn ios and you learn swift you have like this amazing environment around xcode that's already built for you and you can start building really fast and um you know one of the kind of like top feedback areas for ethereum as a developer ecosystem is that it's like still very early and it can feel clunky compared to some of the frameworks that you've you know used in the past so it it is really like you said a bit of a chicken and egg problem right because one on one hand you want to identify developers that can build the you know um world-class ides the world-class um developer tools around using ethereum and yet uh the people that could do that, uh, you know, also could be doing anything within the ecosystem, right? So uh, we're we're really trying hard to kind of have these conversations with these developers to 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 kind of sell them on the fact that like this is the 
place where you can do research across the board, not only building developer tools, but there's research around programming languages in general. Um, and because a lot of our consensus is around state machines and programming languages themselves, you can be, it's, it's a, it's a place where you can be kind of like a Renaissance hacker, study a lot of different things with people that are really interesting. So that's one way we're handling it like more in-house, but, uh, the way that Vitalik wants to grow the organization is not to make this into like a massive R and D shop either. Like we're not necessarily trying to be bell labs with like thousands of engineers uh we want to support um like really talented companies and individuals that are already in the ecosystem and we respect the kind of autonomy that they want and we're you know ready to collaborate right so um yeah oh and and one more one more idea around like developer tooling right your original question was like hey like is there a business model around this and I think it can be around two things. Like one, I actually invite everyone that has a full-time job, you know, whether that be at Google or, or, or at a startup or, um, or if you're a student to just take like a couple hours on the weekend and see what it's like um, to develop on Ethereum. And if there's anything that's like obviously missing to you that clicks, if you want to work on Ethereum on the side, we also have this pro- uh, program called the Hacktonship program. And like we just fund like a 10 week, um, you know, 10 hours a week type project. And we give you funding for that as well. And it's just like an excuse to like work on a project on the side in a more structured manner. So that's like how you can get your feet wet. But number two is like, there's a huge business opportunity, not just in Ethereum, but overall throughout crypto to build amazing kind of developer tools and security, um, uh, audits and all these you know, value added services as a consultancy as well. So that's like a business model you can explore. So like I mentioned before, I think, I think the future is not just Ethereum, but actually several blockchains, you know, many blockchains, usually like every blockchain that is meaningful kind of adds some new feature like Zcash adds privacy it's not necessarily something that fits within the Ethereum model, um, and so it's it uh, to me it doesn't make sense to try to like bring in every feature in existence to one chain. Uh, so how do we like foster a good relationship between the the infrastructure developers of all these projects, and how do we try to get to that common ground where we can all support each other? Yeah, no, that's a really great and timely question and i think if you haven't heard this conversation already i think that this is probably like a very common topic that's that's coming up among developers and entrepreneurs in the space um because if you're an investor you can kind of like you know bet on a lot of different things and say hey i think these are the features that are going to win in the space uh but for developers that are working on kind of like one part of the entire ecosystem um it, you know, it's kind of a difficult value proposition because a lot of us do actually believe in a pluralistic future, right? You know, Ethereum Foundation, like, you know, I've heard Vitalik actually specifically say, like, our goal is not to win necessarily. And he, he believes in a pluralistic future as well. And I kind of mirror that sentiment in the sense that um, 
different architectures have different features that are going to be pronounced and that that you know from like an infrastructure tech perspective like they'll have different slas that they can deliver right you go on aws and different kind of products have different um, features and in the same way we kind of have to think about it's not necessarily a competition um, among different blockchains as much as we want to make sure that this technology can be as impactful as possible, right? Because it has this new feature that we haven't seen before around decentralization and trustlessness. So uh, I think that to take that to like a productive level, like I think it's two things, like one, like the conversations that we're having around this, I think um, really make it concrete that this is what's going to happen. And I think that creates a like collaborative environment among teams and that's that's been really awesome kind of like working with uh parity uh talking to all these projects on on how we can work together more closely and so that's like the collaboration and communication part and number two more concretely is i think there is a lot of opportunities for developers from many ecosystems to come together to build common infrastructure not only just for ethereum but across the entire blockchain space we are actually solving the same problem over and over again in in a lot of senses like you may have a different feature but fundamentally everyone needs p2p networking everyone needs databases everyone needs you know sync mechanisms and there's so many learnings there's like this entire layer of a blockchain client that is essentially the same between all of them and there's a lot of learnings to be shared so it's uh, to me it's not like getting together and figuring out like funding for infrastructure development would be great but even just getting together to share learnings of like how did you fix this problem uh would be awesome yeah no definitely i think that um again like being relatively new to this space i think i i sensed a lot of not hostility, but like a competitive spirit and, and sometimes actually hostility as well uh, between certain projects. Um, but I think I, I was really pleasantly surprised when I kind of came into the space more formally to work on it full time. And um, people that lead various projects are very friendly with each other, are, are very collaborative. And this these communications are happening within these teams. So if that can extend to the entire ecosystem, that would be really good. Um, but I would actually kind of like shoot for the the stretch goal that we were talking about, right? Collaboration and openness around learning is, I think, just the baseline. I think that um, these projects, like there's like a handful, probably like 10 plus projects that are really well capitalized. And I think we have an amazing opportunity to come together to build common infrastructure across the whole, you know, the whole stack. Like you mentioned, like P2P layer. Um, there's, you know... Uh, Right now, there's like a lot of people, a lot of projects competing across like consensus and how do we scale. But uh, I think that's not going to matter as much, you know, when we look back in 10 to 20 years, as much as, you know, how easy is it to develop on top of this technology to like bring to end users like the features that we're excited about. And I think this is like a really good time to separate the excitement around blockchains around kind of the speculative asset portion versus building and really showcasing why this technology is different because i think we have to kind of all remind ourselves that decentralized technologies are always more expensive than centralized technologies therefore it needs to provide more value to be able to be sustainable and i'm really grateful to have this conversation with you today to kind of 
talk about that and and hopefully invite a broader conversation with the ecosystem. That sounds amazing. On that note, uh, thank you very much for being on the show. It was a pleasure. Really great to having you. Thanks for having me. And to the listeners, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.